Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I want to start today. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad to be back. Um, I don't know if you guys were a part of uh, some of you I saw on live stream the last couple of weeks. Lori made mention that we were visiting our granddaughter. She's just two and a half. Uh, I know I should pull out pictures. I never mention her name without pulling out pictures, but um, uh, two and a half years old uh, with their parents. We celebrated Christmas together, and I was thinking of that because every night we sang to her when she went to bed, uh, and she was actually, they sent us a, a FaceTime something or other yesterday that we, she was re-singing the songs that we were singing with her as she would go to bed, and and how precious it is, your children, your grandchildren, uh, what a beautiful thing. Uh, somebody years ago reminded me, you can't take anything in this world to heaven but, but your kids. Your kids, like all this we leave behind, right, but, but our kids. And, of course, we can't take them. They have to make that decision. But we can do a lot to set that in place and know that you will prepare for that, so. I want to do something this morning. I want a Christmas theme, and thank you, Daniel, uh, for uh, holding the fort down, my my friend, and <laughs> um, and, and just and bringing us into the place of our Christmas carols and, and singing together. We're going to get a chance, maybe even to sing a cappella here this morning, uh, just to um, uh, have some fun. But I want to talk about the indescribable gift. And before I do, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something here. Can I have the microphone? So, there's a game that can be played that you, somebody comes forward, they pick an object, and the audience knows what the object is, but the person, the person they're going to be talking to doesn't. So, you pick an object, and then you have one word. You can't use the object's name in the word to describe the object, and they have to try to guess the object. Okay, so I'm going to do something. So, let's say the object was the Christmas tree. That's the Christmas tree. And you have one word to describe it to someone else to see if they can get it. You can't use the word Christmas or tree. And you can't point to it either. Okay, that doesn't work. So one word. So let's do it. Let's see who wants to see what, what word would you use if you had one word to describe Christmas tree. Okay, let's do a bit of audience participation. We'll do this quickly. Somebody, wave your hand. What would you, what would you say? One word. One word to describe it. One word. Okay, here we go. Uh, green. Green. Would you guess Christmas tree from the word green? Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. You've only got one word, right? You got one word to make this work. So, okay. Let's. So, let's say you still don't get it. What would be the second word? Evergreen. Ah, okay. Evergreen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One word. Here we go. Lights. Lights. Okay. Now you're starting to get the idea. You put those three words together, right? What do you think? One more. Christmas. No, you can't use Christmas tree. You're cheating. Uh-uh. Doesn't happen. No, 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 no. Christmas tree. Christmas tree. Gifts. Gifts. Okay. Okay, right? It's, it's, it's not that easy, like, for one word, if you tried to do it in one word. Um, okay, let's do another one. Let's do music stand. See music stand? Okay, can't use the word music, can't use the word stand. Okay, who wants to help me out? You got one word. 
What do you think? Okay, Cyrus, I know you're just thinking. One word, come on. Okay. <laughs> a second word. I don't know if I'd get that one. It'd be Christmas carol. Second word, what do you think? Somebody, music stand. You can't use music, can't use stand. Okay, okay. Holder. Holder. Holder, okay. Okay, well, Dave's got that one word that's going to fix this whole problem. Lol. <laughs> I don't know how you spell that. Okay. Okay, this could be the word right here. Conductor? Conductor. All right. We'll get one more chance. One more word here. Fantastic. Fan okay. <laughs> okay. I think we're getting the idea. Like, it took a lot of words. Now, I didn't really pick super easy ones either. I know I could pick some more easier ones, but I chose not to to make it a little bit more difficult. It can be difficult to describe something. This is where a lot of miscommunication comes in. You have an event, something takes place, and you're trying to describe it, and it's so easy to miscommunicate descriptions. Uh, so our text this morning, go to me please in your Bibles, glad you bring your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. This is a segue into what I want to share. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, this is a short verse, eight words long. It's my text. 2 Corinthians 9, we're going to do verse 15. Here it is, if you got it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Paul says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the text. So, Father in heaven, I just pray that before we go into this, God, I'm entering into dangerous waters trying to describe something indescribable. That if the great apostle Paul, a man of words, stopped and said it's just indescribable, then I know for certain I'm going to bobble this. But Holy Spirit, you will reveal something I pray this morning, and do that, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is the verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. My title, my theme, indescribable gift. This is the time of year when, and Laurie and I were doing it yesterday again, we've been doing it, last few weeks, where we have been on occasion going to different places and trying to choose just the right gifts to give to the special people in our lives. But I want to ask you, have you ever received an indescribable gift? Have you received an indescribable gift? In other words, a gift made beyond description. Think about that. I received an indescribable gift. I, so I began to throw this around in my brain. What kind of gift would it have to be to be called indescribable? Perhaps it would be a gift that you would open and you'd look at and say, oh, thank you, that's beautiful. It's what I've always wanted. <laughs> what is it? Perhaps that's an indescribable gift. You, you might have had one of those. You have no idea what it was that they just gave you. And so it's indescribable because, well, you don't know what it is. Or maybe 
maybe it's indescribable because the gift that was given to you carries so much emotional feeling. Maybe it's an heirloom. Maybe it's a gift that's come down through the family. Maybe it's a gift that you knew the significance behind it blows your mind. And so it's indescribable, not because you couldn't describe it. It's indescribable because it's so filled with emotion and memories, it's virtually indescribable. You can't just, you would minimize it if you put words to it. Maybe that's an indescribable gift. Or maybe it would be a gift that you cared so little about. You've probably had some of them. You carried so little about. It was such a meaningless gift You wouldn't even bother trying to describe it. So it's indescribable because you wouldn't even take the time to try because it meant nothing. A while back, Good Morning America on television hosts featured gift ideas that might be called indescribable. They were extraordinary gifts that some of you might want to include on your Christmas gift list this year. The first one was an exotic Jaguar, 220. When the automobile is delivered, you're expected to pay $587,000. Okay, do we have a... Yeah, yeah okay, all right. Uh, this Jaguar, $587,000. They only made 250 of them the year it was made, and that's why it's quite expensive. Now, if you get the Jaguar, the second indescribable gift on Good Morning America was you probably want to have a new car wax, the ultimate shine. And so it retailed for $3,400 an 8-ounce can. So a good car wax for the Jaguar, $3,400. They call that number two indescribable gift. Um, I guess if you can afford an automobile and car wax for it, you can afford the third one they mentioned on Good Morning America, $300,000 gold toilet. I know. Why? Now, of course, there's cheaper gifts on the list. Good morning, America. You could buy an $18,000 Frisbee. There was a $10,000 yo-yo. A $12,000 mousetrap. And $27,000 pair of sunglasses. Oh, here's one that would be maybe of interest. If you're a proud grandparent wondering what to buy your new grandbaby, how about the $28,000 pacifier? Now, these gifts stagger our imagination, certainly mine. But they're not indescribable. They're expensive. They're silly, but they're not indescribable. And even though we may not be able to find words to describe them, I assure you, there are manufacturers and marketers out there that have all the words to make you feel you couldn't live another day without them. So someone is gifted in describing those things. They will seek to describe it in a way that you just absolutely need it. You see, every human gift, everything here below the sun, can be described by someone. It can be described. Now, this all leads into my point, the message, this Christmas message, 2 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul, a guy whose life is about preaching and words. I mean, he's written the majority of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's a man of words. You can't deny that. The, what he's written is putting words in an attempt to describe something. And even with all the words that he puts together, 
He still says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He commends them. If we go back to the earlier part of chapter 9, let's, let's look at this leading up to why he said this. The church of Corinth had been taking up offerings. In Corinth, they were trying to help out a sister church in Jerusalem. There were some people struggling, not unlike some of the things we do at Christmas and people do at Christmas time. Folks in areas and communities, people groups that are, are, are struggling, just struggling. And so he was taking an offering from the city, the people of the church of Corinth, and he was transporting the blessings and the offering of Corinth over to some struggling people in the city of Jerusalem. This is the early part of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. This is the context. And he commends the Corinthians. He commends them for their eagerness. He reminds them that those who sow sparingly will what? Reap sparingly. Those who sow generously will... It's a, it's a principle. So if you sow, if you sow into others and you're tight saying, oh, I can't afford it, I won't do it, then you will also reap sparingly. But if you are generous, if you give sacrificially, then you will watch that flow impact you back and in the midst of all this he shifts his attention from human gifts from Corinth to Jerusalem from human gifts to God's gift of sending Jesus to this earth and it is here that Paul says these words thanks be to God for his indescribable gift so Christmas time now is the time of year we do our best to depict the wonderfulness of God's gift of Jesus to us. Musicians have composed some of the greatest music around the theme of this year. Such beautiful Christmas hymns. Here's a chance. Why don't you just join me in doing some acapella singing this morning, okay? Um, maybe you know this one. You can hum if you don't like singing. If you like singing, just let her go. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat. Oh, peace on earth, good will to men, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature silent night holy night all is calm all is bright round yon virgin mother and child Holy infant so tender and sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shine the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the 
are met in thee tonight. I, you know, I have to apologize to all the online people because all they're hearing is me, okay? Okay, what about, what about this one? Um, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with handsome sweet, while shepherds watch our keep. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. That sounded great. You know, the artists have worked to try to describe Jesus. All these songs are an effort of some people to describe what Paul says actually is indescribable. Poets, painters, Sculptors have taken up their tools of trade to pay tribute to Jesus, the gift of God's love. But Paul says, but Paul says, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. And the reason he says it's indescribable, I come up with four things. Here's why. Number one, four reasons it truly is indescribable. The gift of Jesus. Number one, because of Jesus' nature. His nature, you can't, you can't get words to it. How do you describe the Christ? The Christ. Not Jesus the man, but Christ. What words do you choose? How do you describe a baby born of a virgin? No one's going to believe you anyway. How do you describe God in flesh, walking on this earth, reaching out to the hurting masses of humanity? God, in a body like yours and mine, reaching out to people. How do you describe that? It's the nature of God. Isaiah said he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. So what words do you use to describe God with us? How do you describe that which is spirit? I certainly lack words. We can't describe it simply as material, physical. How do you describe God who is all-knowing, boundless in his knowledge? How do you describe that? How do you describe him who is all-powerful, him who is all-eternal? How do you describe the indescribable? Paul says you really can't. Words will fail. But many wise people have tried to describe Jesus, and that's okay. I do that every week. You do that when you share your story. You are describing him. It's okay. But he is indescribable. And so some of the most theological greatest minds of all time came together back in the Council of Chalcedon, 451 AD, and they attempted to describe Jesus. And here was their attempt. I'll put it up for you. Follow with me. This is 451 AD. This is a long time ago. Here's their description. Perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body. Uh, consubstantial, co-essential with the Father according to the manhood. In all things like unto us without sin. Begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead. And on all these latter times for us and for our salvation. 
born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother God, according to the manhood, one and same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and in the distinction of natures, being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. And most of us, after we're done with that, we go, huh? Huh? Did you understand it? Well, you'd have to read it a few times. It's our attempt to describe what Paul says. It's indescribable. Even when we bring together some of the greatest minds in our most extensive vocabularies, we cannot adequately describe Jesus the Christ. Contemporary artist and musician, Chris Tomlin, tried. He wrote a song. Help out, Wendy. He wrote a song. Here it is. Some of you know the song. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Anybody know the song? Creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature unique in the song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God, all-powerful, untamable, awestruck. We fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. So Chris tried a second verse to do this. Here the second verse. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow? Who imagined the sun and gives source to its light? yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom. Go back to the course. Indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck. We fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. He tried. And I think he did a pretty good job, but by his nature, the nature of Jesus Christ, he's indescribable. He's indescribable because of his purpose in coming to earth. His purpose. The angels announced to the shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what do we celebrate at Christmas? We celebrate a Savior. Not a baby. A savior. We celebrate the fact that Jesus came into the world because you and I need to be saved. God saw we needed saving. He saw man's inhumanity and we needed help. He saw the ability that, that there was no way in all our wealth, in all our means, schools won't help us, universities won't help us, money won't help us, things won't help us, even social structures won't help us. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. Our greatest need is to be saved from hell's flames itself. We need saving. How do you describe that? This is the point. How do you describe saving? How do you put and wrap words around what God did when he sent us his son? 
into our world. So I think that Jesus, God's gift, yeah, it's indescribable because of his nature of who he is, but it also is indescribable because of the purpose, his purpose. I need a saving. But I suggest another one, another reason it's indescribable is because of grace. Grace by which Jesus is given. Unmerited favor. You can't describe grace. Grace is one of those strangest things. You know, every gift I give at Christmas time will be given because the recipient of that gift, now listen to this, has some claim on me. And I'm not saying that derogatively at all. Every person that you give your gift has some claim on you. Now, now you might not like the idea, but it's, it's, how, how can you not acknowledge it? I buy gifts for people that there's a, a, a sense of need, a sense of obligation, a sense of I, I, I need to do this. There's a claim. I give gift to my wife because she's my wife. I love her. There's, there's that I give because there's an obligation there. Uh, I give to my children because they're my children. I give to my grandchildren. They're my grandchildren. I buy for family members, for friends, for people. If, if I buy a gift for even to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to take care of the homeless, I do it because deep down inside, I recognize I have a gift. I have a debt to humanity. God has blessed me and I need to help them. Is that not correct? God has blessed I need to help them. So is there a claim? Yeah. Every gift we give, there's a connection to a claim. Connection to a claim. Now, the reason I say that is what makes God's gift so special is he doesn't owe us a thing. There's no claim. Indeed, you and I are in constant rebellion against him and against his will for our life. And with that in mind, Paul says something so remarkable. Fifth chapter of Romans. Paul says, while we were yet in our sin, while we were yet the enemies of God, Christ died on the cross for you. That's called grace. It's called grace. God's given us a gift. Not because he feels obligated to give a gift. He gave us the gift of himself because his love overwhelmed him for us. It's called a gift of grace. And when you stop at the manger of Bethlehem and you look at the Christ child, you have to realize this is a gift of grace. There's no words to describe that one. The grace of Jesus. So the gift is indescribable because of the nature of God. It's indescribable because... His purpose to save us is indescribable because it's the grace of Jesus given us. I want to submit it's indescribable but because of the gift's effects on us. Know what happens when you receive, when you receive God's gift. Now, this Christmas time, when you open your gifts this Christmas season, will your life be different? Now, in some ways, you know, if you have clothing that you're receiving, if you have things that you can use in the kitchen, some practical tools. Yes, it helps out. It makes things maybe more convenient. But the question wasn't really that. It is, does it make a difference on your life? When you receive gifts that you purchase for your loved ones, will this change your life? Will this make you a different person? Or will you be the same you were before? 
The Bible teaches that when we accept Jesus, that indescribable gift, we will never be the same again. It will affect everything about who you are. The first effect Jesus had on coming into our lives and our obedience to him is that, well, you're forgiven of your sins. There's no gift in this world will do that for you. But when you receive Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Now, that might sound old. It might sound elementary. You say, well, that's nothing new there. But when you really think about that, that our sins are forgiven, that he removes them, he buries them into the depths of the sea, all my sin, and it's a whack. Because Jesus is now my Savior, my sins are forgiven. Cherish that promise in your heart. It changes you forever. People that love him much understand the depths of forgiveness. People that love him little do not understand the depths of forgiveness. You know, secondly, his gift changes us in that we, when I accept Jesus, I'm adopted into his family. I'm guaranteed citizenship in his kingdom. Before I was a foreigner, I was an alien, separated from God. But now when I receive this gift, because I've accepted him, everything that belonged to Jesus belongs to me. We are brothers, we are sisters in the family of God. Because I accepted that indescribable gift, I'm guaranteed citizenship in another kingdom. The other thing that it benefits is when I accept Jesus, this gift is a gift of his Holy Spirit to live within me. He will guide me. He will counsel me. He will protect me. He will empower me. He is there. I receive something supernatural inside that, yeah, I can't describe that either. That's what I receive when I receive this gift. When I receive this gift, this indescribable gift, it's a gift. He will give me peace. Not the peace the world gives me, but a peace that passes all understanding. Peace that allows me to cope with whatever I'm about to face today and tomorrow and this week. He gives me that peace. Peace allows me to look beyond the smug, beyond the stuff, to the pure air of the Almighty God in heaven. A peace. When I receive and take on that gift of Jesus in my heart and life, because of that, I have a mansion in heaven paid for. A dwelling place that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever, and it keeps going on for infinity. It's forever and ever. That's indescribable too. So let me just wrap this up. I knew when I started the topic this morning, I would fail in my attempt to describe Jesus because everybody before me failed. People who are much smarter and people who are a lot more artistic. The Apostle Paul looked at Jesus and said, I can't describe him. All I can do, though, all I can do is fall on my knees and thank God for his indescribable gift. This Christmas... Don't worry about trying to describe him as I've tried. May you, like him, fall into that place and posture of worship and say, thank you, God, for that indescribable gift. When God looked at our confused world years ago and saw all the rising and falling of empires and pompous people and people looking for something, he knew he urgently needed to communicate his love for us. But how does God communicate love to us? A problem. Big, big problem. I'm sure God is the process. God thinking, how shall I communicate my love to the finite people? If God, if I appear in person, 
If I stand before the people in all my glory, I will frighten them. I will scare them away. He would. Even just the back end of his glory scared Moses to death. He says, I can't show myself to them. I'll scare them to death. If I speak to them, all they will hear is thunder. The Bible says his voice is like thunder. All they will hear is thunder, and they will never grasp, but my words are actually words of love. I can't speak to them. I can't show up to them. If I send down legions of angels, well, they will be drawn to the angels, and they will never know my love for them. So how does God express his love to you and me and the races before us and after us? And he came up with this indescribable gift. Ah, I'll send a baby. Isn't that amazing? I'll send a baby. Babies don't frighten people. (laughs) They're so cute. They're so cuddly. They're so warm. They're tender. They're soft. They're helpless. Maybe they will hold the baby in their arms. Maybe they will touch the soft skin of the baby. Maybe they will hear the gentle sighs of the baby. Maybe they will experience my love if I send a baby. Galatians 4.4, so in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son, born of a woman, as a baby. Indescribable. But the good news is you don't have to describe him to accept him. You just have to be warmed and changed by receiving him. So make your journey to the manger with the shepherds. Take him into your heart, accept him as God's indescribable gift to you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.